This is Transparency, a podcast by Gender Dysphoria Alliance, hosted by Aaron Kimberly and Aaron Terrell. Each week we'll be joined by people who have personal or professional experience with gender dysphoria and physical transition. We'll also discuss how our trans experiences relate to the concept of gender identity. Join us for a compassionate yet heterodox approach to the question of trans. Hello, we're joined today um, by Mars. Um, Mars is uh, you know, popular on his own uh, podcast. So we kind of have him on the other side of the, of the mic here um, as a guest instead of a host. But we're happy to have you here, Mars. Mars is also a new member of the Gender Dysphoria Alliance as part of the leadership team. Thanks for having me, guys, by the way. Like I said off the air, it's nice to sit on this side. Yeah, it's great to, great to <laughs> chat with you, Mars. Yeah. Um, and I, sorry, Aaron, I can't <laughs> interruption here. I wanted to uh, say that um, Mars is kind of like when I, back in 2018, uh, 2017, 2018, when I uh, got, um, when I became fully aware of all the gender ideology stuff or just kind of like the extent at which it had, it had gotten. Um, and I was looking for like, any sort of sanity. I felt like I was insane because I, everybody was just talking this nonsense that made no sense, seem, seemingly out of the blue to me. Um, everybody's completely disconnected from biological reality. And, and that wasn't the case, you know, 10 years ago when I had left uh, the, the, the kind of like in being enmeshed in the community. Um, and then I found Mars's podcast. It was uh, linked. He had just started it uh, with his uh, buddy, Alec, um, like it was just only a few months in the making. I want to say you guys yeah. had you had you guys had Buck Angel on, uh, and that's how it came under my my radar. And I listened to that, and it was just like, okay, there's still some sane people in the community. And uh, so yeah, I, I became I, I've been a fan of Mars since then. So just wanted to throw Thanks, that Aaron. in there. Yeah, yes. I, I, <laughs> Thanks for starting it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I will say like yeah, it's kind of interesting. Do you guys edit this at yep. all? Yep. Okay. I'm sorry to do this. And then I'll get back to my thought. There's a, a spider and I absolutely have to, <laughs> I have to fucking kill this thing. So I'm going to just move away. Cause like, if not, I'm going to be like looking down at my feet. I'm like, if it comes towards my way, so I just gotta, I gotta kill it. I'll be right back. Sorry. <laughs> do it. Yeah. But uh, that thing, like it must've moved fast. I lost it. So man, dude, fuck. Uh, oh man uh whatever i'll try not to think about it i'm so hot too does it look like i'm sweating i don't know what's no, going on no, um no. <clears throat> well, if it's anyway, crawling right, up your leg later you know just let us know we oh can my feet again. are i'm sitting with my feet on, on top of, <laughs> like they're they're not on the ground trust me <laughs> it just didn't look like a friendly one so i'm like uh, yeah yeah <laughs> all right anyway uh what were you saying oh yeah you talked about that yeah <clears throat> no the the thing that i find interesting uh about how you're still here, Aaron, is that, well, obviously not only now do you have like your own thing here with the uh, other Aaron, but, but also there's been so many people that have come and go on, on my channel, whether, um, you know, a lot of these guests who were like, so on board with the things that, that I was talking about, and now they've fled yet. I feel like you and I have both kind of basically walked down the same path around the same time. And we just keep like, <laughs> we just keep, uh, you know, unlocking more things about our transition and maybe, and, and the truth about transition, which has been hard to, I mean, I don't know if you can relate to that. Like it is hard to dissect all of this sometimes because obviously it, it is a part of you. So I don't know if you find yourself thinking like, man, this is, do I want to keep thinking about this stuff? This is kind of 
this is heavy, you know? No, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. I, 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 when I was talking to Sasha White on her show a while back, I, I was basically explaining how for me, it's the same kind of undoing the whole gender narrative was the same as, as unlearning my evangelical Christianity. It's yeah. the same. It, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's, you, you don't want to do it. You're like, this is much more comfortable. Mm. Um, uh, but then I, but then I feel like the more I do, go in the direction that I feel truth and honesty lead me um, the, the more actually comfortable and freeing it actually is um, than trying to maintain that, that cozy narrative that most people seem to seem to want to maintain. I actually feel like it's much more comfortable to, to confront the heavy stuff. Um, Yeah. So I think you and I are kind of, yeah, sorry, go on. (laughs) No, 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 no. I absolutely agree. And, and I, I mean, that feeling you described of like feeling like you're insane because all you see are the same, you know, rep- repeating uh, points from the trans community. So you start thinking, uh, well, I don't agree with that. Does that make me crazy? Is, is that's a, precisely how I felt, which is why I needed a podcast or something to vent because I felt like right. I was crazy, you know, and at the time there was only very few people, you know, obviously my co-host and then a few people on Twitter, but uh, that was it. But now obviously like two, two years later, maybe ish, it, there's there's so many more people that are waking up including transsexuals that are just like hang on a second you know why did i transition what what is the root cause of my dysphoria and and are puberty blockers safe and you know these are questions that we should have probably all had at the beginning um i had some of them um i think it's fair to say that we've all we've all had some doubt and, and questioned whether or not it's safe or what's going to happen to my health but i don't think i don't think we question it to such a point because dysphoria it's like once you latch on to okay dysphoria is the problem i have dysphoria therefore i have to transition because otherwise you know uh i'll have suicidal thoughts things are going to get worse so i have to transition that becomes such a powerful thought that there's only so much analyzing that you can do right because yeah that's a driving force behind you want to transition you need to transition and then of course if you want to walk into a therapist who isn't going to challenge you or question anything then yeah absolutely you're gonna transition you know yeah, and I think one of the things that we all have in common too is none of us are immersed in trans culture, right? We're not part of the mainstream trans community. I would think it would be really hard to ask these questions, um, yeah. you know, or, or what you were saying, Aaron, about kind of snapping out of that ideology and and almost like kind of deprogramming, if I can use that word, deprogram from those ideas. It would be really hard to do that. I mean, to use your analogy of of the church, like if someone was part of a spiritual community, it'd be really hard to deprogram when you're still immersed in that community. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And then also because it's, it's um, just ideologically, it's difficult to deprogram that from your brain. Um, But then also if you've got your whole, your whole social network, oftentimes your professional network is tied up in that same uh, mentality. Um, yeah, there's further incentive to, to not think too critically about it and just uh, keep in lockstep. Um, exactly. And <laughs> no, but uh, it, it is, it is, I mean, honestly, I, I have, I have uh, quite the level of gratitude towards you, Aaron, because it's hard to be immersed in this for this long and, and you've been in it for a while. And I mean, it is, it is difficult. Like, you know, the, some of the trans people that, that follow me, like, I'm just, I'm constantly always just thinking, well, not constantly, that's a lie. Um, sometimes I think I'm like, I wonder who's the next person that's going to just, you know, step out of the discourse and had enough because that's usually what happens. Like, you know what I mean? Um, it's, you know, kind of talking about like 
religion and, and the whole church analogy you use, it's so, it, it's like, it's impossible to have some kind of, you know, hardcore belief when you're trans, you're, you're either completely believing all of this, all of this trans stuff, or you're not, you have to step entirely away. Um, I find myself still sort of in the middle where I'm cool with my transition, but also there's like these 10 things over here that we never really discuss and we should. I don't know if you guys kind of feel like, is there any part of, now I feel like I'm interviewing you guys, but is there, is there any part of um, just the, your transition where you, you find, I guess like, and I don't want to say comfort, but where you're okay with it um, beyond analyzing uh, so many of, of these questions that you didn't have before. I don't know if that makes sense. I'm not, I'm not sure I do understand the question. You're right. Cause I don't even understand it. Let me, let me rephrase <laughs> that. <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is like in your transition, obviously we, we see now some red flags that we could have questioned before, but we didn't because we were, I think we were all at least for a little bit, bit in some way, you know, stuck in an ideology. All of us were, you, you kind of have to go there to get to the next uh, level. And then once you're at, at your final point, right. Once you're like, you're done with surgery, you're, you're living your life. You come to a point in, as you grow older, where you think about the reasons you transition, you know, what is dysphoria? Do I still have dysphoria? What's impacting my dysphoria? But at any point throughout your transition, is there a part of why you did it that you don't question it? Like, is there some kind of reason where you're, you, you know, the, does that make sense? I, I'm having a hard time. I think so. I mean, it's difficult, right? But I'm trying to think of how I, how I want to, because I think you're asking too about, about regret. I mean, and yeah. Is that yeah. part of it? Like, Possibly, you know, like yeah. once you start to unpack this stuff, like, and realize that there were red flags, do you, do you yeah. regret your decision? And I, right. I don't feel it's tough. Like, I think I'm at a place now. I don't want to use the regret because I don't want to be unhappy for the rest of my life. And I kind of feel like I'm stuck, mm -hmm. stuck with this decision. I, I think if I had achieved this level of mental health and, and, <sighs> I didn't get caught up in the ideology as I had. I don't know that the medical interventions would have been necessary for me, but mm. there's no point regretting it for me at this point. Like I'm, I'm happy. It did, it did solve some problems for me, not necessarily the problems I thought it was solving, but I, I do still have dysphoria. So I, I, I think the part that I'm dissecting and have rejected is, is the ideology but I'm still left with the dysphoria because those are, are two completely separate things. And, and I think I've unpacked a certain amount of it and, and, and understand my motivations for transitioning, but I don't feel like I've really solved the problem of dysphoria entirely. Like, cause yeah. for, for me, it was there from my very earliest memories where I really did like as a three-year-old believe that in some way that I really was a boy. And, and I haven't really solved that, that mystery yet. And, and transitioning did help my dysphoria for sure. So I don't think that being gender critical or you know questioning or rejecting the extreme politics or the ideology, that doesn't it's, that in itself isn't a cure for dysphoria and you still get to be okay with your transition. But the, the question is like, for those of us that have transitioned yeah. and if, if people continue to, to, to transition, because I'm not against I'm not trying to, to say that nobody should ever transition. 
Yeah. It, it does yeah. seem to help in some cases. Um, it's really the ideology that I, I have concerns about. And, and that's tricky, right? Because if we don't believe the ideology and we accept that we are, you know, we have a biological sex and that doesn't change. What does that mean for our place in society moving forward? I think that's the tricky question for, for I do, me. Uh, yeah, because I find uh, no matter how much I unpack, uh, unpack everything, there are things that I, I do wish I would have uh, been challenged on by a therapist in the past. But, uh, but otherwise, even still, I always find myself thinking, I mean, yeah, there, there's definitely issues that should have been sorted out, you know, at the very beginning, but also I'm just so content with my transition. I, like, I don't regret it. I'm fine with it. I want to, you know, be able to continue doing it. So that's where I'm always like, it, it kind of plays with my mind because I see, I, you know, I, I obviously know the realistic, um, the, I, I accept the rea biological reality. I also understand that, you know, there, there does, harm does come in putting testosterone in a female body. I, I completely get that. But even beyond that, you know, and even kind of uh, trying to unpack the root cause of my dysphoria, still though, who I am today, like, this is, this is fine with me. I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. So that's, a, that's a, always to me, you know, because originally when I first started getting into gender critical uh, um, discussions, I, I always had the fear that, you know, the more I talk about this, the more I'm going to, I'm going to possibly detransition or something like that, you know, um, but, but I don't think that happens unless you actually want to. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't know, from like, from the trans side, right? In the trans community, I do feel as though that ideology is so intense that you could be convinced that you're uncomfortable as a girl boy, therefore, maybe you should explore gender. And then later on, there, you know, you're transitioning for the wrong reasons. That, that could happen from that end. But from the other end, um, talking to, you know, rad femmes or, you know, the gender critical groups, I don't see that same uh, impact happening. There's not an ideology there that tells you, you should, you have to do this. There might be people that are pushy, but I don't, I don't see an ideology in those groups because they're really just talking about biological reality and that's not mm -hmm. an ideology. I think what's happened historically, you know, because there's still a lot that isn't known about gender dysphoria. And I don't know about you guys, but when I, when I experience it, it um, it's a confusing experience. Like as a kid, when I didn't have a name for it, I had no idea that trans people existed. That wasn't, that wasn't even on my radar at that time. Um, so I just had to, all I, I had an experience that, that was very confusing and no explanation for it, no word for it. And I, you know, that creates a lot of, of distress for a person when we experience something that a, no one else seems to be experiencing and B, we have no language or way of understanding it. And so we grasp for, for a storyline to help us make sense of it. Mm -hmm. And what I don't want is to just insert another, you know, BS storyline to replace this ideological storyline that we have now, right? Like, but it's because we don't really, the medical community hasn't been able to give us a really concrete answer saying, yep, we know exactly what this is. Here, we know exactly how to diagnose it. We know exactly what treatment is, is recommended. We don't have that kind of clinical certainty about this. And so it, it kind of opens this, this um, opportunity for, for different political narratives to come in. And this current ideology is, has taken hold um, 
but a, a number of different ways of thinking of but of of what gender dysphoria is or that were the trans experience that has been thrown around over the over the years I and mean, everyone has their own opinion and, and ideas and theories about what that means I, I hope at some point we were that the clinical community can come to some sort of consensus and 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 define it for us so that we're not just always kind of grasping at straws for some storyline that makes sense and and yes i mean whether it's you know feminist politics the, the gender critical politics or trans activist politics there's always going to be a range of people that are more moderate or more extreme on either end of those political movements and i i don't want an extreme gender critical ideology to come in and replace the trans ideology because now we just have another political ideology then we're, we're kind of being tossed around in the wind by different political agendas and that that's not what i want for any of us right i i, I would like some really solid answers exactly that, yeah, ground, yeah. that, that grounds us in reality about this the reason that i got so interested in this is because um when i did start kind of my, my foray into um not, not gender criticism. That was that was later. What I first got into was um, was trying to trying to figure out what gender dysphoria is. Like, well, I thought I knew what it was. I thought it was what I experienced was what gender dysphoria is. So my assumption being everybody had that experience. Um, and then the more I got into it, and the more I started reading different people's experiences of gender dysphoria, the more I realized this, these are not at all. Uh, comparable uh not, well, not comparable but they're, they're they're very very different things and um Aaron you seem to have, you, I think you had a pretty pretty kind of I mean it's still a confusing experience like when what you felt as a as a kid and growing up um but I think you had kind of like the the, the clinical case of the whole um you know uh, HSTS like very much like you like that 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 kind of masculine you know would-be lesbian experience of um of just just everything feeling like you were like just much more aligned with boys than girls and that being very confusing and not understanding why or what to call that. Um, I think that's, that's what people, people assume to be um, gender dysphoria. And, um, and I don't think that, that, that now is, is the case for most people who are, who are transitioning. And um, uh, I think, like the, the more the more I started researching into it, it's like I I had a clinical case of gender dysphoria, but it wasn't. But I don't think it was for the same reasons that that like your experience. Mine was quite different. Uh, I mean, that feeling that I was supposed to be a boy and feeling drawn towards the boys and like like I belonged with them um, was there. Um, I'm telling a long backstory here, um, but but. Like there was further confusion, obviously, because then I was attracted to them as I grew up. Like it was, it was very, very confusing for me, and I, I had all along telling myself these stories that explained why I felt the way I did. Because again, I didn't have that t that term, gender dysphoria. None of us did, but um, or well, kids now do, of, of course, which I think is actually quite dangerous. But um, uh, we so then when you when like going back to what you were saying, Mars is like when you when you felt this confusion um, and this distress this about your physical body and, and like the psychological um, just uh, upset that that causes. And then you have this very concrete answer. This is gender dysphoria. That's what you're experiencing. And transition is the solution. So I don't know how anybody can hear that and not go. Yes, that's exactly it. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. um, so that's so. So like you were saying, like, that's how we get how we get there it's, it's almost impossible to not accept that you know especially if you don't have that kind of um uh, gender critical perspective you know coming in uh, you just think this is 
perfect. This is ideal. This is going to fix it. Right. And then for me, going back to that whole question of regret and whatnot is, is um, I, I don't have any regret about, about my transition. It, 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 it resolved my dysphoria basically entirely. Um, but, but, but I do acknowledge the fact that, that it's, um, that it's basically, you know, we're, we're treating a mental health issue with, with a physical intervention. And and that just doesn't, doesn't ethically sound. It's not appropriate. Right. Yeah. And so absolutely isn't. Yeah. yeah, And and that's, and that's where I I hesitate. And so it's like, no, I, this fixed my gender dysphoria. Right. So um, for about 95% of it, to be honest, Mm -hmm. like it was a resounding success, but I, but, but I do like obviously acknowledge the fact that, um, um, that's also not on on you, you know. If it's not ethical, you're, you're not the doctor, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's like, uh, yep. but but it is yep. it, it isn't, you know. And and I mean, I find myself think thinking about this. I think I talked to somebody about this recently. It's uh, it, it isn't ethical, and and I do relate that, you know, in regards to dysphoria, it has helped me a lot. But there are also ways that I get dysphoria, which, you know. Um, I don't want to get into right now because I, I kind of want to get into the ethics thing. But what, I guess what I'm saying in regards to the ethics is, you know, transition could help c- certain people um, on whether they have this for you or not. Although there are obviously people that transition just because they they want to be, you know, uh, some other gender. And, and I don't think that that should be removed off the table because to me, whatever you want to do with your life or body, that's fine if you're an adult. But we can't say that um, you know, it's, it, it's a, it's their trans right or, it, you know, we can't have that argument when, or not an argument, but we can't stand by that to me, uh, because it's, it's just not ethical. So it either is like, I think w- what should happen is if, if dysphoria is a mental illness, which I believe it is, then we should find many different ways to explore how to resolve dysphoria before, this adult and eventually goes into transition, you know, and then the whole transition thing, like it even being called medical transition, I've found myself recently thinking, is that even right? Should it be called medical transition? Because by saying it's a medical transition, you're now also saying that, you know, it is ethical, but, but it isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The word, the word transition implies that we're transitioning into something else. Right. And, and we haven't really, change sex but it, the language seems to imply that that's that's the promise in front of us right is is we'll just give you these hormones and these surgeries and you get to you get to change sex okay. i wonder i wonder how how appealing do you think that the transition i mean to use that word how appealing would the transition have been if someone had said well you don't actually change sex it just changes cosmetically changes your body would it would it have had the same appeal to you i I think so. Um, because I mean, I always recognize that, you know, I might've not, uh, said exactly the same things I do today that I did like whatever years ago, but, but I've always recognized that it wasn't going to, you know, make me a a biological male. I was going to get as close to presenting as a man in society as possible. And that was, that was a major uh, part of it for me you know, besides the dysphoria, I knew it would be the closest thing. So I wanted to do that, you know, but again, there's a lot of, I want to, I desire to. So that's where I'm like, all right, you know, I recognize I have dysphoria, but a lot of 
transitioning is I desire to, you know, I, I do admire men. I do identify with men, but I can't, I can't actually quite literally be a man, you know, but there's some, there's some strong desire there that I think a lot of trans people have in wanting to, to, to be seen in a certain way. And is it a doctor's, should, should a doctor be responsible for fulfilling some kind of, uh, you know, desire that I have when it's supposed to be medical and obviously not. So that whole, the whole system entirely has to be uh, taken apart and, 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 and put together in a, in a way that actually is medical. If we're going to use these words, if not, then, then if it's not going to be medical, then, you know, that's, that's another conversation, but, but I don't, I don't like, I don't like how it's misleading people, you know, because it, it really is, you know, and, and me at the beginning of my transition, I thought, uh, very little about things like phalloplasty. I thought, you know, I'm going to transition to be as close to, to being this, this male that I, that I, that I think I should have been, uh, that I want to be, that I, uh, desire to be that, you know, my dysphoria would feel better if I was. So therefore I'm going to just fully transition, you know? And, um, you know, obviously it took just interviewing a couple of people who had have had fallow one that was happy with it. One Scott who wasn't happy with it both of which still really highlighted the, the risk and complications that come with fallow for me to realize, damn, like that was definitely not something I needed to do. Had I though gone to a doctor and, and, and said, you know, I, I want to look into phalloplasty, they probably would have said, you sound like the perfect candidate for that because I'm a trans man, you know, and, and that's, that's how that works, right? It's a firm or, or transphobia. And, and I'm just, that whole thing is just, there's so much wrong in that, that it, it makes me feel I have no regret with my transition. I'm happy where I'm at, like I said, but it, it does. The only part that I feel bad about, uh, you know, I, I guess this knot in my stomach is that in some way I'm connected to this dark community that absolutely cares nothing about the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, when you go, so, so stepping back to what you said about the whole phalloplasty thing, um, that the the other person that you had on, was that Paboga? It was, yeah, yeah. I and was he- recently... Okay, go on. No, 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 go ahead, sorry. I was just saying, I I was recently watching a video with him, um, and basically he's talking about how he now, post-phalloplasty, has a whole new level of dysphoria that he didn't deal with with his actual natal anatomy. Mm -hmm. Um, He's like one of the few people who's speaking very um, openly about about his phalloplasty and... And like and how terrible the the physical the, the actual surgery and the recovery was, um, but then post like immediately post he sounded quite um, quite positive about it, quite happy with it. Um, fast forward a year or two, that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. It's like well now I just have to learn to live with this. Right. Um, it so sucks. it's it yeah yeah, sucks. yeah so yeah. yeah if it's if if it gets to the point where sur- you know after a lot of surgeries you you still are not happy, you still are dysphoric. And, and come to realize that, well, now I have to live with this. Shouldn't that from, a, you know, a therapist's point of view, shouldn't that be the start of it to, to accept yourself and to learn how to love yourself and to live with dysphoria instead of, you know, trying to get rid of it by altering our bodies, which actually, again, doesn't make sense because it, it, it is mental. It hundred percent is mental. You know, my, my personal life and what I'm going through now, which, you know, I've talked to you guys about out there, like it, it totally is mental. I'm over here thinking like, Oh my God. Like everything is, you know, people are going to see me like I'm just tripping out and I'm doing that. Nobody else is. I am. Um, Obviously it's easier to recognize this as an adult, but you know, um, it, somebody like, uh, I can never say his name still. (laughs) Paboga. Paboga. 
somebody like that, you know, he's, he, he is pretty blunt and, 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 and speaks openly about his experience. Thank gosh. Uh, but, uh, when he was on, you know, um, sharing his story, I, I was blown away that, that he ended up getting, um, fallow on the wrong leg. So then they had to do it on the other leg. I mean, oh, no. so, oh, so this, shit. this guy has two massive scars on his legs because they, they didn't realize that one leg was, I guess, better than another. I, I can't entirely remember the details, but essentially my point is like, that's how, how much, you know, care there is in, in these surgeries. It's like, oops, we did the wrong leg. So we'll just do the other one. Meanwhile, now this guy has a huge scar on both legs and no doubt that has to psychologically kind of, you know, have an impact on you later on. And, and again, like it just, it really, it sucks that it has to get to that point. Why, why do people have to get hurt? Why do there have to be the transitioners? You know, why do, why do people still have to suffer even after transition when, when apparently the answer, according to, you know, the WPATH and, and all these experts is affirm. Yeah, that's a good question. I know, and it's so unpredictable how we're going to respond to to different treatments, right? I mean, it, mm. I re, I responded well to the hormones. I mean, it, the changes that I experienced from from that right. did could be have, said with anything else too, right? Yeah, it did have a positive impact on my dysphoria, and the chest surgery definitely had a positive impact on on the dysphoria. But for me, the metoidioplasty actually increased my dysphoria, so that's something that that I'm going to have to, to live with. But I was, so I certainly wasn't expecting that. I, I expected that that would, you know, kind of be the final step and, and continue to improve um, my dysphoria, but it, but it didn't. And, and I, there's no way I would have known that until, until I'd been through it. Cause I mean, how do you predict that? Exactly. And I mean, this could be said about a lot of other ways to, to, you know, so-called treat a medical issue. Right. We could we could uh, talk about um, depression or or any anything else, right? Somebody who is severely depressed, you know, might react differently to certain medication. So I guess my point is like, you know, when you're treating a mental illness, you're you're hopefully relying on the evidence um, because otherwise you're you're bringing a patient into the unknown, and yeah. the the only the only the only place or, or the only uh, mental illness that I see that is treated in such a way where they're basically, you know, we're walking into this with our eyes closed. We're trusting these experts is, is trans is, is, uh, you know, transgender uh, care or whatever, um, which, which, yeah, that, that in itself is, is such a lie because there is no care. And I didn't know, you know, I, I, I looked into as much as I could as an adult wanting to transition, but I still knew that there was no a hundred percent chance that things could go well. It, there, there just never is. And, and doctors make it seem like there's only these five things that you should worry about that could go wrong, but they probably won't because you are who you say you are. <laughs> God. It's, it's crazy. You know, it's like, man, I just don't like being lied to. <laughs> well, and also that, that, that stupid, uh, refrain that you know only you know what's right for you only you know mm. what's best for you only you know what your gender is and who you kids are know. <laughs> yeah, I guess kids, <laughs> kids know who they are yeah um, we should listen to the kids they know who they are um, and it, like you don't hear that with any other kind of men, like physical, physical <laughs> health care <laughs> interventions it's exactly fucking insane yeah it is very dystopian I, and just eerie it's like <laughs> i don't know <laughs> When you were a teenager, what did you think you were going to be? 
uh, we're talking about gender or just, just in general? In general. <laughs> in general, you know, I used to really like writing short stories and I really liked movies. So I thought I'm going to make movies or write, you know, movies, both of those that carried on throughout high school until I dropped out of high school. And then all my dreams went in, in the garbage with my uh, GED. <laughs> <laughs> don't need a high school diploma to do and, uh, that <laughs> yeah, i thought i was gonna I know, be some I, kind of i thought i was gonna today. be some kind of rock star even even though i had total stage fright and didn't really play an instrument <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, you know <laughs> i don't even remember what i wanted to be as a teenager wow yeah blanking there <laughs> but i remember as a teenager like you have very strong opinions about things strong beliefs about things like whatever whatever bands you were really into when you were a teenager you thought i'm gonna love them forever you know like we're, oh, we yeah. always have that that certainty right about it everything that we that we think and feel because everything is in like hyper hyper color when you're a teenager yep yep i see what you're i see what you're saying yeah and um you, that 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 sense of it's a, it's a point in your life where you're building, you're really building your sense of self and your sense of identity. And, um, and then you come in with, you know, with kids latch onto something like this, of course, they're never going to, they're, they're not going to think that they're going to outgrow it. You know, this is, this is who they are forever. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, uh, just like, yeah, just like when you, if you were a, you know, a, a skater in high school or a, you know, whatever, whatever it was that you identified with that, mm-hmm. that kind of gave you your sense of self and your sense of community um, that, you know, didn't come with any, you know, obviously you wanted to get a tattoo as soon as you were 18, you know, I did that and I regret it, but you know, like uh, uh, yeah, what, what these kids are being put through now, it's a whole, it's a whole nother story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my parents were pretty strict about stuff, so it didn't matter. You know, I wasn't going to get away with with a lot of stuff but uh but nowadays i feel like we definitely caught a lot of kids and they they do get away with a lot of stuff and they they give them a lot you know so i think i grew up at the right time in my opinion but but even still yeah you know i had no idea i had i I had desires of what i wanted to to be you know but i didn't really have a plan i don't think anybody at the age of 13 or 14 has a long-term plan you're thinking yeah, I'll get through the school thing. And then I'm going to do really cool things with my life, but you don't know how you're going to do those things. You don't know if you're going to actually be good at those things that you want to be or do. And, and you just, you don't know a lot. Um, so it is insane to me that we get these, these, uh, these doctors saying that, you know, if we just trust and listen to these kids, then everything's fine. And it's not because I still, there's still so much about life that I question today as an adult you know, and my future. So it's, it's insane. (laughs) It's just crazy to me. uh, Because I mean, I when I look at my history, um, there's definitely a lot of signs in in my past to where I, I seemed really disturbed. And I I, I should have probably started therapy even sooner than I went into it myself, because I went through, you know, being super depressed, having, you know, negative thoughts about myself, suicide, Um, I went into cutting myself because I thought that fixed how I felt about myself. That didn't work. I went into alcohol, a little bit of drugs, because I thought, you know, that's a great way to do it and almost killing myself like that. And then finally, you know, this is where I'm at today. So, so again, this is why I'm like, it absolutely is there, there, there has to be some kind of correlation here because a lot of trans people, they're not just dysphoric. 
they're dysphoric plus depressed plus ADHD plus a bunch of other stuff. So if we know that there's there's all these other underlying issues with most, and I would say 99% of trans people, then maybe we should start with, hey, you know, tell me about growing up. Was there ever any trauma in your life, et cetera? You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then, like with uh, 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 childhood sexual assault, um, yeah. autism spectrum disorder, these these things like weigh in so heavily along with like, yeah, history of, of self-harm, depression. Um, and I think, I think for so many people, <clears throat> Uh, dysphoria is such an easy catch-all. It's such an easy uh, funnel to put exactly. all of your mm-hmm. your your struggles uh, into, and then it has such clear-cut resolution. Um, so that's that's obviously just sucking in people like a fucking black hole. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Uh, it, it is a catch-all because when I first came across this dysphoria, I thought, aha. That's exactly why I went a little crazy throughout my entire life. That's it. That one thing. And that's not true because as a matter of fact, um, uh, I did that for years after transition (laughs) too. (laughs) My dysphoria was the explanation for everything that happened. Yeah. Yeah, But you know, if I roll the tape back, you know, 10, 15, whatever it was years during my, uh, you know, binge drinking, exploring drugs phase. um, When I finally realized that that was a problem, I thought the same thing. I thought, okay. So I'm, I'm fine. It's just, obviously, I, I guess I have a drinking problem. That's, that explains my whole life. I've just been an alcoholic. Right. Um, so there's, there's obviously parallels here. So, you know, I, and this is with most people. I don't think I'm unique in, in any way. Most people want to find an answer to the why they are the way they are. So when you can find it in, in dysphoria, which is not a mental illness, apparently, and also, it's super cool to be part of the trans community. And you know what? There's going to be a glow up at the end of this. Of course. Why wouldn't you latch onto that? Like, they make it seem like it's uh, cupcakes and, and rainbows. Yeah, why not? Yeah. And it seems like an easy solution, too, right? If all I need to do is, is uh, you know, give myself an injection once, once a week and do some surgeries. That. It's I find, yeah. I don't, I don't like that. Because, I mean, I'm not going to say that, that makes me dysphoric, but I... I've always, I'm not scared of needles. That's not a problem, but I just don't like doing that because every time I do it, it's, it's a reminder of why I'm doing it. You know, I I don't want to do that because every time I do it, it's like, okay, I'm doing this. Why? Because this alleviates my dysphoria, but also because, because I'm not a man. That's why I'm doing it. I mean, that, that's always a thought when I do that. So I don't, I'm not a big fan of doing that. Um, But, you know, as you know, I'm, taking a break from doing that, which honestly, we could just get into it if you want. I don't care. Yeah. Do you, do you want to talk we about it? We can talk about it a little bit. Cause uh, I mean, I'm not gonna, I, I, cause I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I should just put it out there a little bit because you know, it, it could be useful for some people, but yeah, yeah. we could discuss it briefly. Yeah. Whatever you're comfortable with. Nah. You're I'm, sharing I'm that com- a bit. I'm not comfortable being uncomfortable, but I find that being uncomfortable, there's always a little bit of growth. So then I'm always like, ah, I'll just be uncomfortable and maybe there's going to be something good coming out of this. So yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah. No, I want this to be kind of as open as possible. Um, so feel free. All right. So you, you recently uh, discontinued uh, taking testosterone. I, yeah, I did. Um, and like I told, I'm really, I don't know. Like, so <clears throat> 
reasons for doing it or, or reasons for not for hitting the pause button on that have to do with uh, psoriasis, which has escalated, which originally was on on my leg. Um, it wasn't a big deal to me at the time as I thought it's just on my leg. Um, I didn't know that's what it was. I got it like a year ago, I think. When I got it, it looked like a spider bite. My uh, ex girl or my girlfriend at the time, you know, thought it was a spider bite. I thought I should go to a doctor. Went to the doctor. They're like, oh, it just looks like a spider bite. Here's this for your spider bite. Um, I went, it didn't go away. It started to grow. It, it just looked like a nasty scab that was like increasing. Um, I never had psoriasis before. So then I went to a dermatologist where they said, that looks like psoriasis. I was like, okay, that's weird. Um, so I didn't really think, I, I was really confused by how I got it. Um, obviously there's different reasons that people get psoriasis, but, uh, you know, at the time I had a fleeting thought and I, you know, I, I just thought, you know, okay, um, I wonder if there, is it possible that testosterone could give me this, but I didn't really actually want to believe that could be because I didn't want to stop doing this. So <clears throat> I brought it up to my endocrinologist briefly. I said, Hey, uh, what do you think this thing is on my leg? And, uh, she thought it was a spider bite. And I was like, actually it's apparently psoriasis. And, um, and then I said, you know, is there, is it possible that the testosterone could do this? And she, you know, she was like, oh, I don't, I don't think so. You know, and that was the end of it. So I thought, oh, okay, everything's fine. So I carried on obviously, because I don't want to think that there's a problem with taking testosterone because like, I'm cool with my transition, but like I said, it's gotten worse. So this year now, um, it's still on that leg there. There's, you know, that specific leg, for some reason, it got several ugly scabs. My left leg got a tiny one, um, but, you know, I'm supposed to put this cream on it. I never really find that it does a whole lot, so I don't put that uh, on it too much. So I've basically, my, my whole thing has been just ignore it and keep transitioning because I'm happy where I'm at, which is what I've been doing. However, this year, uh, or this summer specifically, it's gotten way worse and has become unbearable. I started getting it on my scalp. And... Um, it's like itchy and burning sometimes. And it's just really uncomfortable and has really just upset me. And, and I hate it. It also makes me feel really ugly. Um, not to sound like I'm really cocky about my looks, but you know, I, I don't want to be incredibly ugly because I have psoriasis because I don't want to stop taking testosterone. Essentially. I feel like that's stupid. Um, and I got it on my eyebrow. Like I've had it on, I think one of these eyebrows a little bit and um, yeah, it just looks flaky. It, it, it just looks, it's uncomfortable. And then also makes me uncomfortable by how I look, which it's already an issue, right? If you're dysphoric, you're generally like somebody who's not super confident in how you look um, a lot of times. And so I'm like, do I need to add more on my plate? Um, so that's kind of why I discontinued it. And um, I brought it up to my, uh, it's been two weeks since I haven't had my shot. So I went to the endocrinologist for what, what should have been my last one uh, a few weeks ago. And I told her, I said, um, so I'm thinking about taking a, a break because I'm, I'm now convinced that the, uh, the psoriasis is coming from the testosterone. The reason for this uh, is two reasons. One, I had a friend several months ago or earlier this year who, I forget why this conversation came up. She's, she's not actually trans, but she's just a female. However, she, oddly enough is dysphoric, but she's a female anyways, who's not transitioning. She mentioned no longer being on birth control pills because it was giving her psoriasis. So when she said this, like earlier this year, I thought that's kind of weird. I hope it's has nothing to do with me and, and my, you know, 
I, I thought maybe that could be it, but I, again, I ignored it because I didn't want to, I didn't want that to be the thing that actually caused my psoriasis. So I was like, no, that can't be me. You know? So I, I ignored it. Um, a couple of months ago, I went on Reddit and I, you know, I, I was having a really bad day with psoriasis. It was driving me nuts. So I Googled it and uh, this Reddit post came up from an FTM and it was just literally my experience. He started off with leg injections and then he switched to uh, butt injections. And somewhere in there, uh, his hormones, I guess, got spiked, which caused psoriasis. And in this Reddit post, he describes exactly my psoriasis. He said he got it on his leg. He got it on his scalp. He said he got it, you know, belly button. I was like, this is really weird, but same experience. That's literally what happened to me. I, I started from one, you know, I switched doctors and, and the one that I was seeing now prefers to do it every other week instead of every week and prefers the, the butt injections instead of leg. Um, I didn't. So after seeing that post, I thought, uh, okay, well, how do I ignore this now? This is me, you know? Um, but I still ignored it. Like I was like, fuck, you know, sorry. Can I cuss here? Uh, well, I yeah. just did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. So after seeing that post, it really sat heavy with me. Uh, I was like, all right, mm-hmm. I could either confront this or ignore this. And I, the more I thought about it, the more ridiculous I felt because I was like, okay, I could ignore this, but should I wait another two years for the psoriasis to get so bad that maybe it'll never go away? And I thought, that's really stupid. You probably shouldn't do that, Mars. <laughs> so I was like, all right, maybe, maybe I could just take a break and see what happens. And so that's kind of like where I'm at. I told the endocrinologist that I, I'm going to at least take a break. I don't want to imagine not being on testosterone for the rest of my life. I know that to some people maybe watching this, they think that's dumb or crazy, but that was never part of my plan. Like I, I'm happy continuing on the testosterone, but as of right now, I thought, let me take a break and see if it is the testosterone. And then, you know, if it clears up or not, I'll figure out what my next step is. But for now I'm hitting the pause button. Um, when I told the nurse at the endocrinologist's office, she said, uh, okay. Uh, you know, she was like, do you want to just go ahead and take your last shot today? I was like, okay. You know, which I thought, I thought that was a little bit weird. I'm like, I'm telling you that it could be, this could be a problem for me, but also let's go ahead and take one more shot. Okay. And then I'm telling her, like, this has been happening for over a year now. And her response is like, all right, well, we'll just take a two week break and, and you'll just come back. I was like, I was like, no, I don't, I'm not thinking two weeks. I'm thinking like at least a few months uh, because at five, if, right. if, if, you know, get, getting all these, when you transition, it takes time for all this to come, right? It takes yeah. months, years for the changes to happen to, for you to see how this testosterone impacts your, your body. So why would it be just two weeks for me to figure this out? Um, I felt honestly really insulted when she said that I was like, all right, Obviously, you're not thinking deeply into this at all, or you don't care. I don't know. But for me personally, I think it's going to be at least a month. And it has been two weeks now, and it's still not all gone. Like the one on my leg is almost gone, um, which tells me, all right, so it probably is some sort of hormonal issue. Um, so, so yeah, I have an answer to the problem, it seems. But now what do I do with the, the other issue, right? Now what do I do with, with the dysphoria? And, and that's kind of where I'm at is like, all right, I have the good, the good news is I have a solution for a problem that could have gotten worse. The bad news is, you know, 
I have to figure out what I'm going to do next. And I'm either, I'm at the point where like, either I have to just stop doing this, which by the way, I have no plans to actually like detransition. I have no plans to like go back to who I was or anything. I'm fine being Mars. He, him, Mars, by the way, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I'm fine with that, but you know, it's just, it's just such a weird place to be in. And I've tried not to be dysphoric lately, but like I was telling you, and I, I've been just, just, just the sound of my voice I'm thinking is sounding more more female lately, which it probably isn't, but, I, but I'm already, but I'm already feeling this for it. But mentally, I think I'm putting myself there. Nobody else is all because I know that certain things are going to possibly reverse and it's freaking me out. You know, it, it is freaking me out, but yeah, I don't know. And uh, I don't know. I'm thinking like in a few weeks, I might try to talk to a different doctor and, yeah, I have absolutely no idea. But this is this is also my problem is like when when you realize that, you know, informed consent is a joke, endocrinologists are a joke. Who do I go to? Who do I go to when I want actual guidance in my health that can actually be for real to, you know, just give it to me raw. Like, don't don't tell me that they're going to you're going to infer me and it's fine. The testosterone is not going to kill you. Like, I don't want to hear that. I want to hear exactly what's going on to my body. And I don't know who to go to because, you know, I'm not even in a big city, but it doesn't even matter. Even if I was like in New York City, there would be probably less of a chance of me coming, uh, uh, getting uh, into uh, getting with a, a doctor that actually cared. Right. So like I'm in a small town. I only have like two options and they're going by the system in a big city. It's worse. Um, I feel like I've been talking for a while, so I'll, I'll let you guys speak. But basically, I'm frustrated. Uh, and 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 I don't know what what's going to happen in the future, but I, I really just the idea of of anything coming back makes me already anticipate dysphoria, which then makes me feel insane because it's like, okay, I see what my brain is doing. I have to stop this, you know? Um, it's, it's really interesting. Um, cause I, I had, um, uh, basically the same, a very similar experience. So it's not just you, it's not just that, that guy on Reddit. Um, cause I had, um, a few years ago, I got a case of, of psoriasis on the outside mm-hmm. of my calf, uh, on my, my lower leg here. I had no idea what it was, where it came from. Not a clue. Um, I was there for like, you know, a few months, just really itchy and obnoxious. Um, and then, uh, I was telling you, I, I just changed my diet to be like all whole foods and nothing processed, no alcohol, no, um, nothing. Yeah. Basically I did the whole, whole 30 thing. So, and then it went away. It didn't come back. It went away. Uh, but recently it's come back on the back of my head, on the back of my scalp. Um, so I think there is, I've never had it before, you know, yeah. at all. I wonder if there is a relationship between, between um, uh, hormonal, um, you know, what, yeah, what we're doing hormonally, because neither you or I have had hysterectomies. Um, so there's like, yeah, there's a, there's a battle going on yeah. in our bodies, yeah. you know? Um, uh, but uh, so so, I mean, that, that is on one hand, um, you know, kind of a, a blessing and that you can, you can just top, stop hanging, stop injecting the artificial hormones and your body will, will do what it's meant to do, you know, what, what yeah. it was designed to do. Um, uh, but yeah, but when you don't want it to do what it's designed to do, then yeah, 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 I, I, yeah, I, I did feel that. I did think about that, uh, by the way, I thought, I wonder if I get a hysterectomy would that then help or would this not even be an issue? Um, but then I thought Mars, is that maybe a little bit insane? <laughs> you know, and the reason I thought about that is because to 
um, obviously surgery is serious, right? It sh surgery shouldn't be taken lightly. And if I'm going to, um, yeah, I guess my, my, my thought process is I shouldn't convince myself to get uh, a surgery because I'm trying to avoid psoriasis, which I'm getting because I'm pumping myself with testosterone, which by the way, is not natural for a female body. So uh, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, when I, and thank God as an adult now, you know, and as somebody who's grown a lot in these conversations, I'm able to take a step back and really look at all of this and, and, and examine it. I'm like, okay, so, so is this, is this actually what you need to do or, or what you think you want to do? Because you don't want to stop doing this. And so it is, it is tricky. Um, and hysterectomy, like, it's not like, it's not a matter of, I want to keep my, you know, anything female, right? I get rid of all of it, I, I think. But, <laughs> but I'm not going to do all of that if I don't have to, because surgery is serious. It is terrifying. There are risks. So if I could avoid a surgery, I will. And like a histo, I've been avoiding because I don't, I haven't really been convinced that I absolutely should do it. Um, though now I feel like I'm being convinced uh, just out of an inconvenience. So I'm not sure. I've definitely been, no joke, I've been thinking about a hysterectomy way more lately. But then what if I get it and I still have that issue? Yeah. Now but... I'm, yeah. So so if I get it and I have that issue, well, now, now guess what? Now I still can't, let, let's say I had it even worse, right? So is at a worse point after a histo and now I have to, actually not take testosterone ever again. Okay, great. Well, now, now you're still, it doesn't solve it. So I have to, I do agree though, the diet thing, like, uh, I do find that the eating certain things does help. So I could probably do that. Um, but I mean, I also don't think it's a coincidence that my leg has cleared up to such a degree just by yep. stopping that. So, yeah. And I mean, you mentioned, you, you know, a lot of the medical uncertainties and your frustration with that, which, you know, I totally agree with you but there's also the the psychological part of it because now you're now you're faced with your dysphoria um and i'm just wondering like where do you go for support around that you know like the the psychological interventions for your dysphoria where's where's the support for that because i don't even know who has that competency anymore to to, to have a conversation with yeah. you about how do we manage dysphoria <laughs> in non-medical ways <laughs> Yeah, because if I, and I thought about this too, I was like, and, and I might, I thought about um, hitting up my therapist uh, who I don't see anymore. Um, she's a real nice lady. Uh, you know, I, I had started originally with a gender therapist uh, in Denver, like years, years ago. Um, so this is somebody, this is just a regular therapist who, uh, you know, I talked to her because I wanted to get my, my top surgery, double mastectomy. Um, and so she, she helped me through that, but she's not very, she's trying to get with a program because I, she probably has to, but she doesn't really like, she's asked me and said things when I talk to her that are definitely not politically incorrect. <laughs> um, she doesn't use like the specific trans friendly language she should, which is fine. That's what I want. I don't care. Um, but I definitely have thought about going back to her and discussing this. I think she would be open to it because like I said, she's not a gender therapist. She's just somebody who is accepting transgender patients because it's where we're at, but she doesn't exactly like follow the program to the T. Um, but, but yeah, the other problem or, or the other issue with my, my situation is that basically if, if let's say I can no longer go on testosterone um, and I have dysphoria and it's really bad and I need to do something about that. 
uh, yeah, I would be forced to see a therapist who could explore <laughs> my dysphoria, which is apparently conversion therapy, according to the trans activists. So, yeah. and depending on where you live, yeah. that could be illegal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, which is insane, right? Like, I'm like, this is, this is a great example of that, which I didn't even think about that. Like I, I would need something like that if I can't do it again. So I'm sorry that you're having to face all of that. Yeah. It, I mean, it's not the worst thing, so I'm not trying to be a baby about it. It just, it's a, it's a massive inconvenience, you know, that I didn't expect at all. Um, I'm hoping that I could clear up all of these rises by giving it like a month. And then I'm, I'm thinking maybe I could revisit and, and give it another shot. Uh, I got the leg shot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I saw what I did there unintentionally or unintentionally, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I was th- like uh, on the leg or just in a different way and, and maybe a low dose and ease into it and see what happens. Um, and hopefully it works, but yeah, that, that's that's kind of my plan to to try again. But I'm not gonna lie, I I'm just not really happy with the my options when it comes to trying. Like if I plan on going back on uh, testosterone, which I which I do want to do that, my options where I'm at is to go through like Planned Parenthood, and I absolutely don't like going there, or the endocrinologist in this town, the one endocrinologist in this town, and um, now I just feel like they don't they don't take, they don't take me serious or they don't take it serious at all. And I just, yeah, I'm, I'm frustrated. And this is why like I'm on board with what you guys are doing with the, uh, you know, GD Alliance, because it's frustrating that there's all this talk about trans healthcare. And I'm just over here, like, where, where, where is this trans healthcare? Because I, I don't feel like I'm getting it. I feel like I'm being neglected. I feel like people aren't being truthful about the issues that could come with testosterone. Like, where is this healthcare? You know? And it's not because, these bills are coming out or anti-trans absolutely not you know i have health insurance i could i could go be seen by any doctor but when we're, we're talking about specific issues around uh, transition where is where is this help where can i go and the answer is nowhere it's all they're they're all a bunch of phonies and i'm just tired of it i'm especially pissed off it, given my circumstances right now like it really does upset me and i'm not like like I, the reason i don't want to talk about this especially on Twitter is because I don't want to, I don't want to get a bunch of people feeling sorry for me. And I don't want to get a bunch of people assuming that I'm detransitioning. And I just don't, I don't, I don't need the, the, that attention at all. You know, like I'm, I'm an adult. There's, you know, something went wrong and I'm going to face it and that's it, you know, and I'm going to share about it because I feel like maybe it could help somebody, whatever, you know, Um, but, but that's, that's basically it. Like, um, and I don't know. I probably just sound really mad. <laughs> it's reasonable. It's more than reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's pretty ridiculous how little, um, how little, um, yeah, the, the, the doctors who are treating us know, you know, what, what actually happens when you put a female on male levels of testosterone, because yeah, I'm having a very similar experience and it's like, it's, um, uh, mine sounds to be a lot more uh, minimum, like a lot less um, subtle, I'm not, you know, less. Okay. Words are failing me right now. Anyway, but we what we do know yeah. is that um, th- that we should know what's causing it, and like they, they yeah, yeah, yeah. Just no, yeah, a- absolutely terrible healthcare. And, but I I do think uh, like I would I would love to see if there are more trans men that could get psoriasis if they have uh, if they hadn't gotten a uh, a histo versus those that have. 
like this is the kind of stuff I I wish there was research on, but but I don't know. You know, I have to I have to go to Reddit of all places to to get a little help. Um, and that shouldn't be the case. Like this should be um, common, you know, especially for uh, like I think I talked about this on my podcast the other day for for something that's been around for such a long time, right? Like there's not we should know more about this transition. It didn't start last year. It's been around for a while yet. There's there's still so much unknown. And uh, and why is that? Why don't we want to know? And and I think obviously the reason for not wanting to know is because they just want to keep banking in on the stuff. I mean, if that sounds like a conspiracy, I don't care. But that just seems to be the goal, like that people just want to uh, make money out of this. People want to be making careers out of the fact that they they are trans and, uh, you know, companies just want to, you know, just virtual signal that they're for trans people but nobody actually cares about what's behind the curtain at all. Yeah. I remember uh, a, a doctor was encouraging me when I, after my bottom surgery was encouraging me to, um, to use like a, a pump, like a suction pump. And mm-hmm. I, um, and I said, I asked like, is there, is there evidence for that being effective in some way? And, and what she said to me was, well, there's no evidence for any of this. Oh my God. Just Which flat is, out just says it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I think there's probably some that are motivated, you know, by the big bucks, you know, the pharmaceutical companies and stuff. But I think some are, a lot of them are just motivated by compassion as well. And they, they really think that, you know, we're all highly fragile and suicidal. And if they don't provide this for us, then, then we'll kill ourselves. And I think for them, it's like, well, yeah, there's a lot left no, left unknown, and, and it's very highly experimental. But oh, we lost you, Aaron. Oh, oh. I, you know, some of them, I think. Am, am I back? Some are. Yep, 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 sir. Yeah. So I think some of them are, are, are thinking, well, what is the lesser of two evils? You know, this very experimental medical procedure that we don't really know much about yet, or you're going to kill yourself. So if it's one or the other, then I guess we'll go with the, the experimental procedures. But I, I wasn't suicidal when I, when I sought treatment. I mean, I, I was struggling for sure, but I was, I was never suicidal. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, I guess I just want to put it out there. There's probably different I think there's clinicians coming from this for different motivations and, and oh, no, yeah, I agree for sure. Yeah. It, do you mind if I ask, uh, Aaron with a K, um, <laughs> you were talking earlier about it, you know, after getting sur- surgery that you still had dysphoria, um, uh, your motivational or your motivation for getting, um, uh, the bottom surgery, what was it exactly? I think for me, it was um, a feeling like I wasn't complete yet, you know, that, okay. that so much of my body had been masculinized by the hormones and then and the chest surgery that I felt yeah. like I, I was sort of a mismatch of body parts mm-hmm. is, is how I felt. So it seemed like the more changes that I acquired from the hormones and surgery, the more dysphoria that I felt because then I felt incomplete. But but then when I had the bottom surgery, a I wasn't. It turns out I wasn't a great candidate for it, just in terms of just my my natural anatomy. I wasn't a good candidate for it, which nobody kind of examined me and told me that. Mm. Um, my my consultation with the surgeon was five minutes long over the phone. Like he's in Texas, I'm in Canada. Like so, I never saw him in person. He never did a physical exam. Never even laid eyes on me until I was 
out and on the surgery table. Um, but I also just felt like when you start creating body parts with surgery, I started to feel like kind of like a Frankenstein. Like I, I was, um, I, w- I felt, I was quite depressed immediately after the surgery for a couple of months is because I felt like, I felt like Frankenstein. I felt like, and that was different. I didn't feel that from the chest surgery because they weren't creating a new body part, you know, but when they, when they, when they started actually creating body parts artificially, I just started, I just, it's hard for me to, to connect with my body then and, and, and feel a sense of body ownership. I, I felt like I don't know Frankenstein's the only word like word I can think of that to describe like how, how I felt and I'm I'm feeling better about it now I'm not feeling terribly depressed about it at this point like I've accepted it for what it is but it, mm. it did increase my dysphoria I've uh, I've joked about having a Frankenstein chest <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, yeah which I don't I don't regret like like I'm completely content uh with getting top surgery double max had to be I, I just joke about that because I mean, yeah, I, I understand the, you know, that we're basically messing with our bodies and, and creating certain things that weren't there. And, and I mean, yeah, it, it is, it is, it is pretty, there's a lot of darkness in, in transition. You know, there, there could be a light at the end of the tunnel, but the whole process itself is, is pretty dark. This is not like glamour or, or to me, it's not a, it's glamour is the word I, I was looking for, but anyways, it's not a, something to be glamorized basically. Right. Um, but uh, you were talking about the process of getting that. And, and I was thinking, you know, in terms of when I was going to get my surgery, you know, uh, my top surgery, it was kind of similar uh, as far as uh, I didn't actually see them in person. This was uh, via email. I said, Hey, um, what do you guys need from me and my therapist? So I can get this. They said, we need this. Um, I sent them the information. They said, okay, um, you could either come in person or you could just send us a a, a picture of what we're going to work with or something like that. And I was like, okay, which, you know, at the time and still today, I'm like, it's kind of weird, you know, just for something that seems pretty serious, they just want to do a picture and get it done with. And uh, the whole process was just uh, seemed very sort of quick. Uh, when I was uh, pre-op uh, the day before that, the surgery, uh, I remember filling something out and um, the girl who uh, was very attractive, <laughs> uh, she, she was just like, uh, oh, just fill this out, fill the front part out. Yeah, there's nothing, whatever. And, and actually the back was where I was like explaining the serious, uh, uh, you know, risk, risk that could come with and stuff. And she just kind of wanted me to just like run through it and, and, and you know, Again, I, I was very secure in what I was doing and I'm very happy with the results, but it just, these, these uh, surgeons and these nurses and doctors are, it's not a big deal for them. You know, it, it's just, they're just there to just get it over with and, and that's it. And I just, I wish there was more, you know, I think, it, I think you, you said it, you compassion. There's, there's no, there's no compassion for, for us at all because they're just trying to follow the script for whatever reason, you know, they all have different motivate motivation motivators behind it. But yeah, it's um, it is interesting, like that. On one hand, we're saying that um, you know, without the, this kind of intervention, we'll kill ourselves, right? Like suicide is it, this is how this is what you have to do to prevent somebody from killing themselves, um, themselves. But but at the same time, 
it's celebrated so and and also treated in the actual offices like just any run of the mill plastic surgery botox situation or whatever like Aaron you never even had a physical exam before before the actual surgery that's it's yeah yeah, the, yeah. criminal and which seems like a no no brainer right like right right yeah. you examine the anatomy you're, you're prior to to operating you know to know what you're what you're doing um so that's what i mean it seems so that they're treating it as like just so so run-of-the-mill like a like a the, yeah yeah like just like a botox injection or whatever is how dismissive and oh it's no big deal no big deal just get in here we'll get it taken care of for you um and then so that that, that there's that that cavalier just treatment on one hand and then on the other hand is like this this the severity of this mental condition is so extreme that we have to you know you know amputate body parts and construct new body parts to protect prevent these people from killing themselves the 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 disconnect between what what they're saying this is and how it's being treated is is uh, um I just keep coming back to criminal, I guess. No, even though it, you know, just the way you describe that is so true, right? Like to prevent us from killing ourselves, we will uh, go ahead and get rid of these body parts, even though there could still be a chance that you might kill yourself after. Uh, I mean, it's, it, it, it is criminal. It's, it's insane. Um, and, and that's where, what we're operating from. But uh, this is why, like, to me, it's really important for anybody who's going to, you know, transition uh, to, to be an adult because, it and and you know like another thing too um i'm not trying to hate on anybody that that is proud of their chest and wants to take selfies and put it out there that's fine um it's not that i'm ashamed of my chest or anything but i personally always thought it was a little uh eerie how you know we get these ftms who get you know their their uh, top surgery double mastectomy um and um they they go and they they, they show it off everywhere on social media. I personally think it's, it, it, I've always thought that was a little weird. I mean, I understand like, you know, you, you're at the beach or something like that and you're topless. That's different, right? I think anyways, but, but to just fresh out of surgery, like a week later, like this is my chest. Um, it is, it is, it is interesting because it's, I don't know how to, I don't know how to put it into words. If you I think you did I mean. earlier with that, that. It's like, it's, it's, it's part of the glamorization of, yeah. of transgenderism. And so I think for a lot of these people, this is really depressing to say, but it's almost like, this is some, like, they, this is them demonstrating that they're trans. It's kind of uh, like, uh, like cutters, you cut yourself. Uh, sometimes, you know, this is something to show another cutter. Like these are, these are my scars right here. Um, you know, I mean, I've seen, I've seen this before in, in videos where an FTM will be like, you know, we should be, we're proud of our scars and all stuff. And again, I'm not saying live in regret and, and be, you know, hate yourself or anything like that. It, it's just, it's really weird because this is, this is a, a mental issue and the way we're solving it is, you know, something that's going on, uh, inside we're solving by fixing the outside. And then, you know, it's all, it's all, it's very serious. And yeah, we glamorize it. And I've always thought that that's really eerie, you know, and then we get, we get these really weird surgeons, like the one in Florida, the Titus Deletus, <laughs> like, uh, which, uh, man, I can't wait to, uh, I'm going to make a video on that. And I, I can't wait to do that one. But yeah, you know, we get these weird surgeons that, that hype it up and glamorize it even more downplaying any of the risk. In, entirely and, and downplaying the mental just, turmoil yeah, that takes right. a teenager yes, or a young you. person to get to that point you know like yeah 
like the history. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it seems like the er early transition is almost inevitable, like that we, we tend to go through almost this like self-obsessed phase. And there's a, there's a, there's a bit of ex exhibitionism in that as well, right? I mean, yeah. it's like 15 years ago, we didn't have things like TikTok and, and like social media wasn't as, as big, but like blogging was a really big thing. And it was kind of inevitable that when someone was in their early transition that that you ended up starting your starting a blog or something, right? Like you just, you, but I, I remember what that felt like. Like it wasn't, for me, it wasn't yeah. vanity. It was, it was, it, this is a weird experience to go through, a very stressful experience to go through. And it, it felt very lonely. And I, I felt like I, I needed, I needed mirroring or something. I don't know how to quite articulate what that was like in the beginning, right? Where I just, I wanted to tell the, the story yeah. because I wanted, to feel less alone in that story but some it, it does it does seem to be more about the exhibitionism and it, i think is what you're talking about right about like the celebration and the how many likes can i get by showing my photos on social media and it, it all seems to be tied in together now yeah i definitely did find myself early uh before even transitioning but uh kind of exploring the possibility that I was uh, talking a lot more about gender than than ever. Like I recall my girlfriend at the time being like, is it, is it possible to just not talk about gender? <laughs> you know, I would really, you know, I, I became a little obsessed over the possibility that I could transition, um, the possibility that I could, you know, uh, pack, you know, to, to put uh, essentially a how do I, how would I describe a, a packer to somebody who's listening to the audio version of this? <laughs> um, <laughs> a, a fake penis in your pants. <laughs> yeah, I'm just that, 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 that about covers yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Um, you know, and I remember, uh, you know, I remember doing this stuff early on and being excited and Mind you, that you know, I didn't, I didn't stumble across like the possibility to trans. I didn't think about transitioning because I saw a trans YouTuber. But when I, when I was starting to think that that was going to happen, I did start to consume um, YouTube videos by you know other FTMs. And then when I did that, I found myself being pretty obsessed with how people saw me in any in, in a more intense way. Like it became, um, it, it's just crazy. It's like, it impacted my state of mind to where I was thinking about that all the time. And uh, it convinced me that I absolutely needed to start packing. And um, I, I bought one and, you know, I remember thinking, this is exactly what it's supposed to feel like, um, you know, and, and I was very happy. I was like, okay, like, yeah, like I now uh, have a fake penis in my pants. Yep. I'm a man. Like it's, it's, <laughs> you know, it's fucking delusional. Um, but anyway, so I was thinking that, you know, it did kind of in a very subtle way, maybe the, 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 uh, the feeling of, uh, feeling affirmed by this fake thing in my pants might've for a few seconds, uh, ease my dysphoria, but ultimately it added to it because it was just a reminder that, something isn't real down there, you know, it, it, it tripped me out. And, um, you know, 
like I didn't I didn't throw it away I still have it if anybody's curious <laughs> but I don't but I don't uh, generally use that you know it's something that I very rarely use because I find that um using something like this constantly right and this 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 is where this takes me is these packers that they make for like four-year-olds now which is so disturbing and, and gross but I find that when you uh sort of entertain this idea that you need to have a packer in your pants uh it, it, it makes you more dysphoric about what your anatomy is. And now you're thinking, I'm probably gonna have to get bottom surgery one day because what's gonna happen, uh, you know, if, if, uh, if one day, I don't know, I don't have a packer. Like it just, it doesn't, it doesn't work. But yeah, again, kind of going back, like I don't, I don't wanna keep repeating myself, but it absolutely is mental because the more I think about my past and, and how it led up to here, a lot of it was a mental game, you know? And once again, I have to just emphasize because I am an adult. I was able to catch myself at some point and realize, you know what, maybe, maybe this Packer actually isn't helping, um, you know, and I stopped doing that. And, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, I don't know. I'll, I'll just stop right there. I was going to, I was going to go a little bit further about the Packers, but I'm like, let me, let me not give you stories. <laughs> there's a couple, yeah. There are a couple of things in, in what you said that I was, got me, my mind working. I mean, one of those is, is how do I put it? Like the story that we tell ourselves makes such a, a difference because when I because I do lesbians who were packing and for them it was like a very exciting thing right they, they for them it was really it's really like a sexy experience mm -hmm. of uh, but but it's, it's funny that some of those same people when they decide to transition and now in their mind they're men how it changed for them the experience of of wearing yeah. a packer because now now it feels like suddenly for them it was like well this feels stupid now and it actually increases my dysphoria so it, it, in all the only thing that changed was the the story that they're telling themselves about what that exactly. means right yeah but it's i've known no different than yeah. but i've known some some trans guys that um have the experience uh, they actually feel like phantom sensation in their packer and they're able to achieve orgasm um well, from the packer <laughs> yeah no I, I wouldn't say i could relate to that but actually let's not take this conversation there <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but i mean there's there's a lot more to add to that uh I, i've had conversations like this with with uh, other aaron before <laughs> yeah i don't think i don't think this is a place or time <laughs> but uh yeah, we don't need to go into all the graphic details, but it's just, yeah, it's just interesting yeah, no, it's what, what you're saying, you know, because for you, it sounds like because you felt a, like feel a disconnect and it just feels like stupid yeah. to you. Is, um, I, it's so not like, I don't know, like I still have, I have the one, I only have one of those things and um, I, but I rarely, I rarely use it. I do like, uh, if I'm going to use that, um, usually I'm going to use it if uh, I'm, I'm going out to a certain place or, or something. I, I'm really weird about where I'm going to use it. Um, but, but my point here is it's not that I get nothing out of it, but that I have to recognize what it could do if I, if I rely on it all the time. So I appreciate the fact that it, it could affirm uh, the, the feeling that I lack something down there. Like that absolutely does get affirmed by it. But then also I have to, I have to realize whenever I use it, I have to think about the consequences of if I use this today and I use it again for the rest of this week, at the end of the week, am I going to feel as though I'm more dysphoric down there? And that's what I have to recognize because yeah, it's great to have that. Let's say I'm on a date. Okay, cool. Now I feel super affirmed, right? I have something in my pants, <laughs> but then what, what if this date escalates and now we're making out? now, now what do I do? 
hold on a second. I know that you know that I'm trans, but also did you know that trans men sometimes put a fake penis in their pants? <laughs> like <laughs> that will not respond to <laughs> Yeah. At this point, is my day gonna be like, well, you're fucking delusional. That's weird. What do you mean? No. You know, um, so it, it's it's like you have to understand how that's gonna impact you. What how is that going to like work out in a in a situation like a date? And so, you know, thankful that that's why I don't do it because psychologically I know it could mess me up and then also when I'm doing that where I'm doing it after you're mentally thinking about you know is it going to fall out it's just it's not what they sell it to be like everything else right they're like you know these packers they affirm five-year-olds they don't that five-year-old probably has no idea what a penis or vagina is yet let alone what they have you know the discomfort you were feeling I'm wondering is it similar to what you were saying about the injection that the injection kind of causes you some dysphoria because it it draws your attention to the fact well if I need to inject myself it's because I'm biologically female is it similar to that 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 if you're using a packer that if you have to use a packer it's kind of drawing attention to your body in ways that increases your dysphoria do you you kind of see what I'm saying Mm -hmm. that do you think that's part of it uh probably it's it's two things for me I've never liked the idea of relying on any sort of medication for the rest of my life. I don't like that yeah. um, because uh, where I go sometimes in, in my brain is what, what would happen if, I don't know, let's say the world just burns to the ground and now suddenly I kind of in the I, process of, it, so, ha- yeah. it, which is literally <laughs> quite, it feels like that's happening. Right. Um, wh- what's going to happen to somebody like me? Am I going to be able to survive just out in the wilderness be- because I'm not going to have testosterone. So then I'll be forced to detransition in some weird situation. How am I going to cope with that? And so that's why I personally have never liked relying on medication, especially that one in particular. That's one for me that I get scared that one day I won't be able to do it. And then what? And then the other one for me is, yeah, the, 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 the psychology behind it, I, I guess, like thinking about it. To me, you do think, or I don't know, I don't know if anybody else can relate to that because I have never heard anybody say that, but. But, you know, when you have to take your shot or gel shot or whatever it is, you, you do sometimes, I'm not saying every time, but sometimes you do think, oh, I want to do this. Do I have to do this? Why am I doing this again? Like, you know, um, obviously those first three months are exciting. It's like you want to do it. You don't miss a, a moment. Four o'clock every, every time, you know, like, but then after a year, you forget a shot. You're like, oh, I don't want to. I left my shot at my friend's place. Um, and, you know, then it becomes more of a, a thinking then you think about it more than just actively look forward to doing it. If that yeah. makes sense. I keep, for, I keep for forgetting. Sure. Yeah. I keep forgetting to do my shot, mm-hmm. but you're right. In the beginning, it's like, Oh, you know, by the minute, you know, I had it at a time, you know, I was all kind of obsessed with making Absolutely. sure that I was never going to miss it. And I was never going to be late. And, and I do, but, I, I notice when I'm late that yeah. I, it, it, I don't have the same amount of energy. And, but I now just I just say, forget. Yeah. That's exactly what I was getting into. But, you know, as somebody who's not had it in two weeks, um, like I already feel less energy and, um, and that, that does suck. That has made me not feel too great about a lot of things. You know, I've struggled, like now I'm finally getting back in the groove of making videos, but you know, I just didn't want to do anything. I think like last week I I slept a lot. I couldn't get out of bed. Um, I think it is probably because of the, maybe less you know energy that now i i won't be getting from the testosterone but also i think again some of it is probably mental it's me having a pity party 
feeling utterly depressed because I'm like, uh, how am I going to fight this dysphoria that I'm giving my own self? <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, but man, yeah, but I'm not looking forward to that. That's another reason why I just, I'm dreading all of this because I don't want to, I, I feel so motivated. And again, I'm, I don't want to make it seem like um, I'm doing testosterone because it's this drug that gives me energy. Um, that's not it. It's just, it, it has, uh, it has balanced me out. Okay. That's one of the things that I noticed uh, in terms of my dysphoria, that it it almost immediately balanced me out. I felt just more at ease and calm, yet full of uh, energy or motivation to do things. And I don't want to lose that. And, and that does terrify me, is losing that, is what if I just get so depressed um, all of a sudden? And uh, so that's kind of where I'm at. I, I appreciate that you're willing to, to talk about it. Um... You know, because I think now that now that you're part of the Gender Dysphoria Alliance, what what you'll find is we get people reaching out to us, right, who are going through similar things and they don't know where to turn and, and they don't know who to talk to because um, everyone is just kind of on the 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 trans activist bandwagon, right? And and as soon as they have an experience that doesn't fit that narrative, clinicians don't always know what to do to support us and. The community doesn't always know what to do to support us and and we don't always feel like we can be open and honest about what we're actually experiencing so uh, the fact that you are you know with us and and telling your story and being honest about this stuff like i've had other people reach out to me through um the gender dysphoria alliance with very similar stories of you know freaking out like i can't mm -hmm. i can't continue with testosterone because I, i'm having health you know complications yeah. from it and so I think it happens more than than you realize, and the the fact that you're willing to to say it out loud and be open about it, um, I think I hope will help other people come forward and say, yeah, I'm going through similar things, and I, now I'm struggling with my dysphoria because I can't. It's sort of been this one size fits all approach, right? Like when people have dysphoria, mm -hmm. the treatment on offer is well, let's give you let's get you started on testosterone, but there's lots of reasons for why people can't or don't want to. Um, mm -hmm go the medical road and and then the question is well now what do I do with my dysphoria though and so I'm hoping that's what we can help figure out or at least inspire someone else that to figure this out right by just being honest about what we're going through uh and, and such and and so yeah I mean there's there's a lot of different reasons that people go on uh to transition uh specifically with FTMs um you know I've noticed uh detransition reasons are different as well. In fact, I, I've noticed this is that some people that detransition uh, who are, you know, biological females in comparison to males that detransition are doing it a lot of times because they want to start a family. You know, I, I don't really see that that happen with uh, detrans males. They're detransitioning for other reasons, but I've yet to come across um, a male who transitioned to be female that later detransitions say that, you know what, he didn't want to do this because he wants to start a family. Um, and so that should, that I find that really interesting. Obviously it's almost as though we can't really most, you know, run away from our biology or, or you know. That's exactly what I was <laughs> going to say. You yeah. know, it's like, it's, it's remarkable there. Whenever, the more I read into, you know, the experiences of gender dysphoria and trans people and detransitioners, there's very clear lines drawn 
on things we try to ignore which is within this community which is male and female like those are these are right. very specific trends that you can follow in these different uh different experiences um i think with uh and that's where we're at with like you know most most girls like teenagers well some of them are but i think many aren't thinking about you know wanting to be mothers it's not on their radar you know it's not a concern and then you get into the your late 20s and suddenly it's like gotta have a baby now and so i'm wondering what that's gonna happen you know with these with these you know fdm teenagers and young uh younger uh you know, people who are transitioning and they're 18, 19, 20, you're like, I have no interest in having children. So no big deal at all. It's like, but when your actual biological, you know, when, when that, when that drive, when your, mm -hmm. letter, your natural biological drive becomes so strong, um, you know, it, yeah, you, can't, yeah. you can't escape it. We, we, yeah. We can't yeah. pretend that, that a trans is a certain breed of person. That's not yeah. that, you know, that's not just a, a reproductive mammal, like every other reproductive mammal, yeah. you know, we right. like to pretend we're something special here. You can't, uh, you can't identify out of your, your, your biological sex, can't transition out of your biological sex. I mean, you just can't, like, it just doesn't happen, you know, which is why, like, I've just made peace with, I can, I, I can achieve uh, to transition and, and be among men as much as I can. I can transition to be, you know, a trans man. And you know what? Even though this one might upset people, I could transition to be a, a very masculinized female. You know, not saying that that one makes me feel good, but what I am saying is that these are all fair ways and, and truthful ways to describe exactly what you get from it. And they're not the ways that you can talk about it because obviously it's gonna kill people. It's just transphobia, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel that too. It's, it's it's refreshing and it's a relief to be able to just, you know, like like not feel like I'm walking on eggshells having a conversation. Yeah. Like that that we can just be honest about who we are and and what our experience has been without uh, without that fear of cancellation or someone getting angry. Or exactly. so I, I appreciate that too. I know you guys um, transitioned a while back, but um, kind of. I just, I just wanted to briefly touch on, on this um, because uh, before we got on, you were talking about WPATH and I was thinking about the criteria and all that. And then I th started thinking about my conversations with a lot of, of my guests and, and, you know, most of them still uh, really did focus on very stereotypical things that they did as kids, you know, uh, playing with girl toys, boy toys, whatever. Um, they still very much latch onto that, which obviously that is a part of, how to diagnose a kid with dysphoria or a kid who is going to be a trans kid. Um, but do you relate to, to those specific reasons? Did you, did you hold, did, did you hold that idea that, that, Oh my God. Yeah. Obviously I was, I was a tomboy. I was, you know, I, I was playing with boy toys. So yes, that's, that's obviously why, you know, I was a tomboy to an extreme, hmm. like, like, yeah, I mean, in terms of like stereotypes, like, it's so hard to describe what dysphoria is without just resorting to a description of stereotypes. I mean, yeah, I preferred to play like cowboys with my brother or like military, like we had guns and um, we set up mm -hmm. boxing rings in our basement and beat each other until someone got a nosebleed. Like, a, like a, it was a very yeah. stereotypical boy type, rough and tumble sort of play. Um, so I would say that, you know, in terms of like the, the sex trait bell curve, I was on the, the extreme far end of masculine for what is typical of girls. And yet as a male appearing person in the world, I'm, I'm not 
you know, now if I were to compare myself to the bell curve of masculinity, I'm definitely not a GI Joe kind of, kind of dude. Like I'm, you know, I'm, so it's interesting how that kind of switches, right. That, that mm-hmm. I was very gender non-conforming as female, but as a, as a guy, people mistake me as gay or, you know, I'm, I'm not a very highly masculine guy. I would say I, I definitely um, did rely on well because yeah I was quite a tomboy as a kid um, and and like so yeah when when I got the narrative of gender dysphoria and the, the, okay that means I'm I'm trans and you know I should have been a, a you know really am a, a man inside or however however you want to say that <clears throat> I did use the you know my my childhood as like the things that I did and was interested in and and playing. Um, I wanted to be Billy the Kid more than anything. Like that's I, the, the whole cowboy thing was 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 my uh, my jam for sure. Um, but like, so so all these little um, whatever whatever I could latch onto in my history was was yes validation uh, yeah. that this is the direction I should have always gone in. Um, I think that's a pretty common thing to do where you just kind of like you just look. I think for me, like always telling myself a story, right? I, th- I think, and I think, yeah, to, to kind of just pick at little things that I felt that I did as just further validation that, yes, this is, this is true of me. Um, one thing I wanted to throw in real quick, Mars, that you were talking about with um, uh, that whole not like uh, not wanting to do your testosterone injection because it's like basically a constant reminder that you have to do it. And why do you have to do it? It's because you're not really male. And so you're, um, and, and so when I, when I did decide to transition, one of the reasons I put it off was that exact reasoning. So you're definitely not alone there for me, for me, regularly injecting myself. Yes, I'm terrible at remembering to do it, but the actual injections doesn't bother me. I don't have any sort of, um, at this point, certainly, I fully accept the fact that I'm female and I'm injecting them to cosmetically continue, you know, appearing uh, male. Not that that would really change if I did, if I stopped. But um, but no, when I when I did originally decide to transition, uh, part of me was hesitant because it would be acknowledging the fact that I wasn't really a man to have to inject myself with testosterone mm-hmm. and get surgeries and things like this. That would be me admitting that I'm not really a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for me, it was like I always was. And so so. For, for, for me, part of transitioning was, was a relinquishing of that narrative that I really was a man. Um, so, so yeah, I know I definitely relate with you, but it was kind of like, I got that out of my system in one fell swoop. Um, mm. Yeah. About, about 10, 10 or 11 sense. years ago. Yeah. But yeah. I, my dysphoria would definitely took me like beyond the confines of typical tomboy though. Like I really, as a kid really did believe I was a boy in some way. Um, and it wasn't as logical as like body parts. And uh, it's hard to explain how I rationalize that as a really little kid. But I mean, I wouldn't say that a typical tomboy, you know, goes swimming with just swim trunks on. Like th- that's the extreme that that I took it to as a little kid. It wasn't intentional. It was just, well, I saw all the other boys swimming with just what swim trunks and no shirt. So of course that's what I'm going to do because I'm a boy. Um so it was, it was it definitely, it, it's hard to articulate, right? Like where does just being a gender non-conforming or a typical tomboy end and, and where does that become this thing that we call gender dysphoria? And I, I think for me, it definitely tipped into that territory of this is gender dysphoria, not just 
not just a girl that has a preference for female things like I because I really did believe that I was in some way biologically male you know whether that was I have a male brain and female body I, like I didn't know understand how or why that was the case but I really did think that I was a boy and I wanted to do all the things that boys were and like all the all the guys played hockey and wore these certain jerseys um you know winter coat with their team logo and that I wanted one of those and I just wanted to fit in with with the boys this might be a controversial question but do you believe that dysphoria is real or do you believe that there is just so much discomfort which is created for multiple different reasons um i mean that that is real but but the dysphoria that the way that it's described, which changes based on person, like is is it dysphoria or or is it something else that adds up to what is now being described as dysphoria? Well, I, th- I think dysphoria is as real as anxiety is real. I think I think it's in a lot of cases a form of anxiety, maybe. Um, but 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 yeah, it, it's it's if that's what no, you mean, it's not the, real. Depends okay, on what you mean by that, real. Like this, yeah, the experience it, is real, but it, do you yeah, mean like, experience. do you mean like, as in like, is it biological versus psychological? Is that what you mean? Like one? Some, yeah. Yeah. I guess that's kind of what I mean. Something like that. And, and it's not to say that I have never experienced this for you or anything like that. Um, I'm not saying personally, I believe that there is such a thing as dysphoria, but uh, the way that we all describe it differently um, makes me think that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, is it something that we're just kind of uh, innate born with, or is it something that psychologically happens throughout our lives for different reasons? And therefore, should we just call it, should we call it dysphoria when it just changes per person and it's based off of different reasons or? Well, I, th- I think it's a catch-all. It's definitely a catch-all. Um, I think I think there's- um, Because there's like, this gen- you know, because uh, there's social dysphoria, there's like, uh, you know, your dysphoria with, your biological sex there's i mean dysphoria is like a word that we add to something else constantly um so that's kind of where i'm getting at is like this whole this i don't know that word to me it's kind of like i'm starting to see it in the same way as saying that something is medical transition when it actually really isn't um not to say that we don't deal with dysphoria but what i'm saying is that the way that we define it and the way that we use it for, for everything, you know, Oh, I went to the mall today. Um, when I walked by the women's section, I got dysphoria, you. you know, like it's, it's like that, that kind of way where we've, we've really watered down what dysphoria is. And then I'm thinking, was there ever, you know, I don't know, like, could we maybe just redefine dysphoria or maybe even come up with a different diagnosis and not just, call it dysphoria which could be apparently added to anything you know i think that's i think there's different kinds of dysphoria too like you're right that we kind of use it as this catch-all and throw it around a lot and it's almost become a meaningless sort of word um but i think there's i think there's different there's other different pathways to dysphoria or there's different just kinds of dysphoria altogether i I know i cut you off at, at one point sorry aaron Oh, no, no, you're, you're good. You're good. Um, yeah, I think, I think there are certainly biological factors, certainly in like the, um, you know, sex development uh, influences um, uh, that, that, that can certainly lead to it. Um, but, 
but yeah, that's that's my entire focus is to is to kind of to unpack everything that we're putting under that label of of dysphoria. Um, not just not just not just what we put under that label, but what what gets someone to the point of identifying with that label of gender dysphoria? Because it seems to be um, yeah very different depending on who you on who you ask what their um, what their experience was. But yes, I, th- I think it's I think it's real in the same way that that anxiety is real. I think there, there are certain, you know, mental, mental ailments that people are predisposed to have biologically. Gender dysphoria is probably one of those, that there are factors that can contribute mm-hmm. to it. Um, you know, certainly in females like CAH, um, congenital uh, adrenal hyperplasia, I want to say, you know, um, something like that, um, you know, it, you know could, could certainly result in, in you know, prolonged uh, uh, consistent you know uh, dysphoria or then um i think uh sexual abuse can certainly cause just standard clinical gender dysphoria or sex dysphoria you know an aversion to one sexed body um then and then we're not even talking about you know the factors that that result in in male uh the the male experience of gender dysphoria um and or then the whole um rapid onset which i think has a lot to do with kids you know just girls uh, you know, just normal adolescence and kind of, you know, developing a woman's body in a time where women are, you know, porn inundation and, and not wanting to be, you know, a, a sex yeah. object and, you know, transition, you know, you, so you're just, so, so they're thinking that that aversion to being seen as a sex object, they're calling that dysphoria. And therefore the solution is transition. And all of these are very, very real experiences and feelings. Um, but but yeah, what what do we do to treat it is is the question. Yeah, no, that's a great way to put it. Um, I don't know if I asked the question in the best way. Uh, I feel like people are gonna take that out of context. I wasn't saying that personally. No. I don't think that this word isn't real. What I was saying is what you said, but you said it in a far better way. <laughs> um, just the you know how it gets watered down and it's different for everybody. Um, but you're right. Um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what else to say except I, I agree with what you say said said there. I feel like a lot of people are even use it sometimes to just mean insecurity, like yeah. to mean like a kind of right. social insecurity. I was yeah, like, absolutely. oh, you know, I um, so I, like for example, okay, I have very small hands. Even even for a female of my stature, I have ridiculously small hands. Um, I'm very insecure about that fact, but I'm not dysphoric about it. I don't look at my hands and go, oh, this is this hand is wrong, um, like I did with my chest, right? Uh, that those just should not have been in my brain. Um, but my hands are small, and they make me, you know, insecure. But I mean, I, I'm, as I get older, it's really, I, don't, I could give a shit less. Yeah. But when I was younger, um, yeah, I was very insecure about the size of my hands. Certainly, obviously, when I, after I transitioned, but, but that's not dysphoria. You know, I don't look at my hand and feel like it doesn't belong to me or it shouldn't be my hand. I'm just insecure about the size. Um, but we, we would now call that dysphoria. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. Because I, yeah. I, I, I agree. I mean, uh, I'm not a big fan of my hands, but I'll, I'll make jokes about them all day. But I, I have seen plenty of young trans men that are always say, talking about, oh, I have a, I have a hand dysphoria. I'm like, why does it have to be hand dysphoria? <laughs> you know, because you're right. It absolutely is just an insecurity. I'm sure you could find, you know, uh, men who, you know, aren't, aren't trans, just regular men. They probably are insecure maybe about their hand size if their yeah. hands aren't that big. Are, are they going around saying, oh my God, it's dysphoria? Uh, they're not, you know. Uh, but again, yeah, th- that label is just, we, we latch it onto everything. Yeah. Especially things that we think are going to out us. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. think we tend to say, oh, I'm dysphoric about this because it doesn't, I, I think that. It that hinders I, me that passing. It hinders me passing. Yeah. 
Right. Exactly. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, I, I mean, I think that that could launch us into a whole other conversation, right? Just with the different kinds of dysphoria and different ways of experiencing it. <laughs> yeah. <and laughs> yeah. Save that for um, for our next ch- next chat, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope that we get, um, you know, because Dr. Blanchard has agreed to be one of our advisors. I think that would be a great line of questioning for him to, ha- you know, to kind of pick his brain for to help us understand what are those different kinds of dysphoria and how do we how do we articulate those better and and understand them better? Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. All right, well, thanks, uh, thanks guys for the conversation. It's been great to to chat and just hear more about your experiences and and your take on things. No, oh, thank you guys, dude. It's been nice to relax on this end, and um, no, it was a great conversation. And yet, you still yeah. managed to just ask us a bunch of really good <laughs> questions. <so. laughs> You got my you got my thoughts going, and I'm sure I'm sure after I'm done with this, I'll probably be thinking about this conversation for a couple of days. And yeah. then what will happen is I'll be like, "Hey, do you guys want to have a chat on my channel?" Yeah, <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely. Because uh, you've unpacked a lot, and it's it's good. No, it, it's good to have these sort of chats. So hopefully, uh, yeah, I hope somebody gets something out of it. But thank you so much, and keep doing this thing, no matter how many haters you get, because this is in the long run, this is going to help uh, more people, I think, and including it'll, it'll do us some good. I hope so. I think so. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Great. Well, have a good night guys. You too. Take it easy. Thanks all. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.